Hulu is coming in hot this month with new shows, new movies, and all new seasons of your faves. Don't miss FX's Clipped, the story of one NBA team's racial reckoning, starring Lawrence Fishburne. Stream a new season of Shorzy, the underdog hockey comedy that might just knock your teeth out. Then catch the high-speed drama Ferrari, starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. Kick your streaming into high gear this month with so much new stuff to watch on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And D. Snyder is back with a brand new solo album for the love of metal and stories about Twisted Sister's farewell shows. You'll find out why Twisted Sister called it quits again, how Dee Snyder teamed up with Jamie Josta to write and record his new record, and what it's like for him playing small clubs with his new solo band after headlining festivals with Twisted Sister. Dee's also telling stories about the late Twisted Sister drummer AJ Perro, how and why TS got banned from playing some venues during their heyday, and why the band originally called it quits in the first place. He's also also talking about what got them back together in the 2000s. So D. Snyder returning to talk is Jericho with more great rock and roll stories. But before we get to D, Fozzie's only got a few more festival dates in Europe. We're playing Leyendas del Rock Festival in Alicante, Spain tomorrow, Thursday, August 9th. August 11th, the Alcatraz Festival in Belgium. And August 12th, we wrap up the tour at Bloodstock in England uh, near Derbyshire. And then we come back to the States for the start of the Judas Rising Tour Friday, August 25th fourth in atlanta at smith's old bar that show is almost sold out if you want to uh pick up tickets go now to fazirock.com we've also got adelita's way stone broken and the stir coming out, out, uh, out with us on the rest of the dates continuing on the 25th in birmingham then the 26th huntsville uh 29th clarksville tennessee take the last train to clarksville uh a little rock arkansas on august 31st so many other dates we're going all the way to uh september 28th in tampa september 29th Fort Lauderdale, go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket info, including how to get packages, how to get tickets for Fozzy's legendary VIP meet and greets, one of the best in the business. We play a mini concert for you, then we take pics, we sign stuff, we hang out, we chat with you. Come hang with us before the show uh, with special VIP rep Jack Slade. Jack, should people come to a Fozzy's VIP program? Anytime you can. Anytime you can. And if you do, you get to meet Jack Slade. Which is pretty cool for me. Absolutely. So go to FozzyRock.com. All the details on how to make that happen. And stay right here. Talk is Jericho for all the details on D. Snyder's new record. It's for the love of D. Snyder. Starting now on Talk is Jericho. So literally just walking off stage after a killer performance, D. Snyder. It's fun watching you that close do your thing. <laughs> because honestly, like, you know, you are one of the underrated and great front men. Uh, in rock and roll and it's just cool to to have people see that and to be reminded of that and those that know to be refreshed once again let me kill my stir kill mister 
pay me the greatest compliment because this was guy, it Meister or Mister? It's Mister. No, Mister. Okay. I always say, but I say Meister. I used to say AJ Pero for thirty years, and one day he says, "Oh, by the way, it's Piro." I'm saying, "Dude, <laughs> I've been saying it wrong for our entire career." <laughs> Luckily, I got it right before he passed. Yeah. But one of the greatest compliments he ever paid, let me pay me. And now, mind you, this is the guy who saw the Beatles. He's in the Cavern Club. Mm -hmm. That's right. He saw the Stones at the Marquee Club. Right. Okay. I mean, he he wrote it for Hendrix. So when he pays you a compliment, it's like, well, and he said, D, we didn't say it clearly like this. <laughs> I had to have it translated, actually. Yeah. He said, you're one of the top three frontmen I've ever seen, and you're the best at talking to a crowd. Mm. And that was, <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> Not I got good at holding a water bottle. something on the floor. Uh, and that was like one of the greatest compliments I ever got from, you know, from someone like that. It's amazing. Mm. It's interesting because I remember it, it, we were laughing because it's called Rock Fest and I want to rock you, change it to Fest, which is great. <laughs> but, I, you know, and nowadays that's how people talk to the crowd. But I still remember 1984 Iron Maiden Twisted Sister opening and you were, you know, swearing uh, on stage and nobody swore on stage at the time. But you always said, this is how I talk to my friends. This is how I'm going to talk to the people in the crowd. But now it's like you were the first guy to do this. And now every single guy on stage says that. I didn't realize I was the first guy who was like talking. You know, I, I'm like on stage. I'm a lot like uh, Richard Pryor mm -hmm. when he does this. <laughs> I mean, I am just cursing a blue streak. Uh, and today I started with a C word and it was downhill from there. <laughs> Talk about Mother Nature. <laughs> yes. Um, so... Um, you know, but I remember getting arrested for profanity and, you know, uh, I remember, you know, Alice Cooper and Bill Graham, the great promoter Bill Graham, mm. coming backstage after we did a show for him in San Francisco and going, holy shit, you got a fat, like, like, I've never heard anybody like curse. And we're just from New York, you know, yeah, we're yeah. like playing biker bars and stuff. So to us, it was just like, you know, conversational. Yeah, yeah. And when you get out to the Midwest, though, and you start talking like that, people are getting upset. <laughs> but like I said, now it's, I don't know if you even realize you kind of were a pioneer in that. This is how everybody talks now on stage. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. Gotta ask you too, the, the Beetle boots on stage that you were wearing, how can you wear those on stage, man? I would have break my, my ankles. I, I have these made in England. They are, they are Beetle boots. You, you, got, you got it, man. I'm like, you know, I'm 63. And the Beatles were the first band I saw, and they were wearing these Beatle boots, Cuban heels. Yeah. And I've loved them ever since. And back in the 80s, I had those damn, I'm not wearing them today, I'm wearing cowboy boots right now, but I had those damn things made in England <laughs> in a little shop, and I brought it up. I want a pair of Beatle boots, and I'm still wearing them. I just, the most comfortable shoe to wear on even stage. Even on stage? Yeah. Even with the little heels on, yeah, yeah, so yeah. you can jump up and down. They're and actually like three inches, even though they don't look it, this yeah. Cuban heel. Yeah. It's, 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 it's deceptive. No, but it was a great show today, and, and I want to talk about the new record and just where all this came from uh, for the love of metal because you did a, uh, and we'll get into this, you played a great selection of the classic Twisted Sister tunes, but then all these great new tunes that you have on For the Love of Metal. How did this all come about? Because I noticed when I was actually doing three seconds of research, which I rarely do, none of the songs on the record are written by Dee Snyder. No, not one. And, um, and that was uh, pretty deliberately. Mm. I mean, it, you got to go to the whole process. First of all, just as far as live, doing, I'm doing, what is it, five original tunes, new, half new half, songs. Basically, yeah. yeah, half and half. Really tough mm -hmm. to go out there and play that much new stuff. Because right. I call new songs bathroom songs. I mean, dude, I remember seeing, 
this is this is God's honest truth. Every every band, every band that's got any kind of a legacy and any kind of hits, they're like they dread the new songs. I know Air, I, I know Iron Maids are say we don't dread them. You do too, you do too, and because the audience glazes over, especially if the album's not out. And I remember seeing. Led Zeppelin to, for the physical graffiti tour. They started the tour before the album came out. They went into Kashmir in Madison Square Garden. Half the place left mm. to go to the bathroom. I call it. It's like Pavlov's dog. Yeah. This one's off the new record. <laughs> Suddenly, everybody feels like they got to go to the bathroom. It's like, you got to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. So I'm playing like five or six new songs. So you don't got enough piss in you. Mm-hmm. But um. But and that's a challenge. But but just but let's talk about that for a second. As you mentioned, I, I think Maiden might be able to get away with it because their fans are so rabid. But other than that, like they will play like you five new songs, six new songs. They, they try. I'm sorry to cut you off. That's but right. Remember a few years ago, they decided they were going to do the tour and they were only playing a new album. The whole album in its entirety, a matter of life and death. And, and people were pissed. Yeah, pissed. Mm-hmm. Even they caved. Mm-hmm. And now they always play the next tour was like it was a it was power slaves tour revisited yeah, you know yeah. legacy without, tour yeah. i mean you know it's just the, hey it's reality people want stuff they know so but, but, but you're d snyder and here you are with, with and we'll talk about you know the twisted sister finishing retired and now you're continuing on knowing what you're going up against because it yeah. would be very easy to just do twisted sister be higher up on the bill play the songs people like but you're almost starting from scratch with these iconic songs in between well so this goes, okay, so this goes back, how did this all come about? And it, and it, it came about because I basically, I was done. Okay, I haven't written, just so you know, since Widowmaker, I haven't written a new song. Mm-hmm. I felt at the end of Widowmaker, I'm not that a review. was in the 90s, right? Yeah, 90s. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a review guy, but I, you know, I saw a couple that, you know, and you know, Chris, and people, like, when something they said resonates with the way you're feeling inside, when someone calls you on your shit, you know, you kind of like, that, those are the ones that connect with you. Someone goes, you sucks, you know, whatever. But somebody said, it was a second Widowmaker record, he said, sounds like D's trying to sound like a contemporary band. And I, uh, is there sugar in that, please? Can I put some sugar in, please? Uh, I think I have coffee. I said, yes, <laughs> coffee is good. Um, and, they were right. Like with Twisted, I wrote all the songs and I was always just writing. And I was at the forefront of what was happening, what became glam metal, hair metal, it became an 80s sound. I wasn't trying to follow like so many other bands that came later in the 80s were trying to imitate the other bands. We were just Twisted Sister and we were creating the sound. Now it's the 90s and I am studying mm-hmm. records and I'm, I'm trying to imitate records. And they called me on it. And then another review said, you know what? People don't want their brother's heroes. They want their own. And that kind of hit me as well, saying, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to pack it in. And that's when I started doing radio and voiceover and acting and, and movies and, and, and all kinds of stuff. I just went a whole other direction, and I stopped writing. So anything I've done, you know, cover records and Christmas records and novelty records. So in my mind, last record I just did, I was challenged to do a, a mainstream rock record. I did it. I did it well. It went nowhere. I said, all right, tried that, nothing. And I was done. Jamie Josta on his podcast, great guy, great friend to both yeah. of us. He said, I got a challenge. I challenge you to do a contemporary metal album. I said, who's producing? He said, me. I said, who's writing the songs? He said, everybody will want to write for D. Snyder. And so I said, all right. I said, because I can't write them. I love new metal, 
But when I write, it comes out like 80s, and I don't want to sound like I'm trying to imitate the other bands. But you guys, so people from Lamb of God, Killswitch Engage, um, uh, I'm, I'm uh, Disturbed, people from all these bands started coming out of the woodwork to write for me. And Josta, to his credit, he climbed in my skin like Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> what are you, like a 14? I mean, he was like, he put on the D. Snyder skin, and we talked a lot about what I wanted to say and where I was mentally. And so, so songs like the first thing, we, Tomorrow's No Concern, it's about my basic philosophy of decent philosophy. I'd rather talk to you about what I'm working on now than, than 30 years ago. Even though now it sold nothing, I'm more excited to show you this new thing I'm, I'm passionate about than just go back. Not that I love the past. So, and Tomorrow's No Concern was born. And you go down the list, I want to talk about bullying, you know, and I'm really starting to come to the forefront of me. So, uh, Become the Storm and Dead Hearts were born. So, he started creating stuff that reflected how I was feeling. And to show you just how deep in the D. Snyder skin he was. And this is a cred credit to Jamie. And I'm not looking for an awe, an awe moment here. It's, you're going to go awe, though. Mm. When we started recording the record, my mom, 85-year-old, fit, healthy, vibrant art teacher, artist, active member of the community, charity work, just an amazing example. I just say to her, Mom, I see you. And, and just how just vibrant you are at 85. And I, you know, I, I have great hope for me because I tell people, I don't want to be in the 27 club. I want to be in the 87 club. <laughs> yeah, I think so, you. Yeah. Wow, D. Snyder is one of the few who lasted to 87. You know, that's, that's my goal. So, um, so my mom gets hit by a car on Halloween. Wow. Brain hemorrhage. Turned into a, becomes a vegetable. Oh, dude, for two months, she's in the hospital and then dies on January 2nd. So Jamie says, you want to stop? this process. And I said, hell no. I said, you know, metal has always been that thing for me to escape, to express anger, frustration, sorrow, heartbreak, all those dark, difficult emotions. Without it, I'd be dead. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the thing about metal we all know is the secret. A study came out recently about that metalheads are better adjusted adults than non-metalheads. Did you see that? I didn't. It's a fact. What's, it was a study. what's the reasoning behind it? Well, I just did an interview. I did an extensive article for Psychology Today. <laughs> they want to know what's going on. And I said, it's simple. We are letting it out. All those depression, oh, anxiety, see, yeah. all those feelings. We get in the pit, we scream, we yell, we rage, we, we, we lose our minds, and then we laugh and we feel better for it, don't we? Mm -hmm. Don't you? Absolutely, I always mean, did. It, yeah. is the, it is the thing we turn to, and it has been there for us. So they get that, so I said, I can't stop. Mm -hmm. So in the studio, my mother's passed, we're recording the 13th song for the record. Jamie, the last song Jamie brought in, I'm Ready. And I'm singing it, and I read it, but it didn't really register. And, and, and I'm in the studio, and suddenly I stop, and Jamie wasn't there. Nikki Belmore, my drummer, engineer, co-producer, is in the studio, and he goes, I said, and the line I'm singing, death leaves a sorrow no one can heal, love leaves a memory no one can steal, is the line. And I turned to him, I said, did Jamie write this about my mom? And he goes, yeah. Mm. He saw what you were going through, and he wrote this song about facing mortality and about loss. And every word that he wrote on this entire album felt genuine to me. So when you hear me sing, it sounds like it's me because Jamie Josta was channeling me, getting me, 
and I, I it's not like I said, not a thing on the record that I can't just get behind and roar. Mm. And uh, and thank you, Jamie Jasta, for that. It's so unbelievable that he was able to channel that. And was it was it hard for you to sing songs written lyrics written by other people? Because you like you said, you wrote every Twisted Sister song. I wrote every Twisted every song. Widowmaker and, and song. Every Widowmaker. Yeah. I always wrote my own lyrics. I thought it was gonna be, mm-hmm. you know. And we went in, and it was a, a Field of Dreams record, and that's why the title's For the Love of Metal. We had no deal. We had no budget. We were just, out of our own pockets, we went in, in between things we were doing, and recorded. And we did the first two songs, American Made and Running Mazes. I was like, whoa, these things connect with me in such a way. Running Mazes is built off of both of, uh, I, I love Game of Thrones. And, um, and, and there's a great line when Arya's learning fencing from her instructor. And he, she say, he says, what do we say to death? We say, not today. Not today. <laughs> and Jamie brings in this song because we both love Game of Thrones. Uh, team Khaleesi, by the way. And, uh, and, 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 I'm, and I'm going, dude, this is like, I love that scene. I lo-, like, so as each song came, we became more confident. They became, and they're on the other side of the glass. And Jamie said, look, dude, I challenged you. I thought it was gonna be great. It was even better than I expected. You, you came alive. And I said, because I don't wanna be yesterday's news. I don't wanna feel like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm respected and I get all those legend icon, I get those words used and whatever, but I, it's exciting to me to have something new and exciting and I'm singing con- more contemporary music. It's still got its edge, it's still in the old school there, but, and I'm going, and it made me feel like my voice mattered. And that was the thing Jamie said, dude, your voice matters. You are, you, you, Halford, Dio, these voices that are great. And I said, you're gonna put my name in that same circle? He goes, I f- would, even though you don't get that. He says, I know you don't get that kind of respect. And we've discussed it and a lot of feelings that, you know, my makeup and costumes and all that craziness overshadowed mm-hmm. my singing and my performing ability. Like that became like, uh, like it sort of made people not sort of ignore it mm-hmm. or whatever. But anyway, he said, there's a place for your voice. So as the songs are coming in and as I'm singing and as the excitement's building, it just, and then Jamie said, I got the title for the love of metal, mm-hmm. you know, because it was the most genuine record and the most genuine thing I've done there was no it was nothing we had nothing hence July 27th what kind of release is that we weren't ready we didn't know there was gonna be a tour we don't these dates were just some odd dates I had left so we haven't even started the game plan NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. There's so many things you just mentioned that we can go off in different directions, but, but first of all, I think... D. Snyder's voice when you hear when you hear your voice you know who it is and there's only a few like you said Ronnie James D. or Bruce Dickinson or Axl Rose of those type of voices and I'm not I, I, you know what you're not I respect those people sure and I, I wouldn't 
put my name in that circle. You're, you're not, but I am. Well, thank you. But I am. And what and I'm Jamie's saying done is, it and I appreciate it. When, so. when you're singing these tunes, I I also appreciate what you're talking about, about reinventing and constantly reinventing because there's a lot of bands, wrestlers, entertainers, performers that will stay resting on the laurels. And God bless you, man. You can say the same catchphrase or play the same say the same, thing. same set list. That's your right. There's, there's a band out there right now. I'm not going to say who they are. They play the same nine songs with guitar solo, bass solo, drum solo, and they're headlining. And they do it every time they tour. And it's like, you can't do that because it only lasts so long. For you to go out there with this whole new record, as soon as you open up your voice and sing the song, it's you. So this now gives you a whole new life and a whole new career in a lot of ways. You know, and I hope so. And that's why, you know, Jamie and, and everybody, you know, like I said, all these, these great performers, great Howard Jones is on the record. Lisa yep. White Glues from yep. Arch Enemy is on the record. So many people, they were so passionate, so excited. I don't want to cheapen their enthusiasm by not committing. And that's why, I mean, in the, in the 90 minute set, I'm doing like seven. New I, songs. I read your whole set list. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing more songs. So, and, 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 Believe me, while I'll never get away with not playing a couple of twisted things, I would love to see the day that I'm just going out there and I'm doing a D. Snyder set. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way Ozzy, you know, mm -hmm. Ozzy is, that's the goal. Ozzy plays, does do a couple of Sabbath songs, this Paranoid, I think, or whatever, yeah, yeah. but he's got enough catalog that he can do his own thing and, and people aren't, and, and nobody feels disappointed. That's a tough, it's tough it to is. get there though. You know, McCartney said something, he says, whenever I play a new song, uh, I always give the, the fans a spoonful of sugar afterwards. Like if you stick That's with, what I'm doing on I, the set list. <laughs> and let me say what you got here. You got new song, classic song. New song, classic song. It's, it's, it's one for one. And that keeps people engaged and they'll respond better because you're giving them the spoonful of sugar. Well, you know, and like I said, I'm not alone. I saw Elton John talking. This was before he announced his retirement. And he was talking about going out on the road. And he says, I'm a little nervous. And, they, and, and the guy says, Elton John's nervous? He goes... Well, I got a new album, he says, and I'm playing some new material. And he says, you can see the faces glaze over. He <laughs> says, and I always tell people, I see you leaving for the bathroom. <laughs> Do you think we're blind? We can't, I see people getting up, you sons of bitches. Right. You know, we, we, we put our heart and soul into a new song. We play one new song and people are like, oh, a new song. You know, so and everybody, got, while we're passionate about the new material, it sucks to try and, Get it over. But I try to remember, you know, when Twisted first went out, when we we first came to Wisconsin, we were playing material nobody knew. We had no hits. Mm -hmm. Under the Blade, Can't Stop Rock and Roll. We had you know, nothing. Zero. We had a couple of hits in England. Mm -hmm. Nothing. So we were just playing brand all new material. But then we would do a little sugar in there. We would throw in, it's only rock and roll, but I like it, cover. We'd do a couple of covers in the set. Mm -hmm. And those were like the little oasises for the audience. You know? <laughs> That's right. It's, 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 a tr it's a big trick, people. So you're talking about, you're, you're filling up kind of the dates that you had left over from before. Uh, when you go out and do a full tour, like is, is, I mean, how is it for you? And obviously you're a smart guy, always reinvent. But now you're from starting from scratch, you're not headlining the festivals like you mentioned today. What do you mean? I mean, I'm, I'm not the headliner. Yeah. How is that as far as being on the road at a different level now? Well, that's a really good question. I'm not, look, I'm not going to insult the young bands that are out there who are literally getting in the van. I'm not going to insult you because <laughs> you're out there really doing it. I, you know, those days are behind me. So I'm a flyaway guy. Mm. So it's not the group. Twisted used to do night after night after night, like so many bands. And it was just like, it just didn't stop. And that's the way you did it. I'm doing so many other things 
like I'm just um, I don't know if you heard about Rocktopia on Broadway. I haven't. Okay. And the last time we spoke was at your Christmas show in Chicago. Right. Well, Rocktopia is this show that was on Broadway. It's a concert event and mixed classical oh, with like rock, rock singers, but really, yeah. so you had opera singer. The opera singers, Broadway singers, and they were rotating. Had me one time. They had uh, Patrick Moynihan, 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 whatever it is. What is his name from Train? Monahan. Monahan. Uh, see, <laughs> I had credit because I didn't really know his name. Robin Zander from Cheap Trick. We each, we each took a week and we came in. Well, they asked me to join the cast because mm. they're taking. They're going out on the road now. So. I've just, I'm just joining Rocktopia, so I'm doing my new record. I'm going to work on that. I'm doing Rocktopia where I'm singing, literally singing Stairway to Heaven, Dream On, Cashmere. Shit, I've never sang, a, dude, I've never Hard sang songs. a ballad. You know, and I go, the price? Price is like up-tempo. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also, I mean, this stuff where you get, I mean, people are actually, the biggest compliment and insult I get after every show is, I didn't know you could sing. I'm like, well, wait, what? what? Yeah. Oh, well, that was Twisted Sister. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. those are your songs, but when you, I didn't know you could sing Zeppelin, mm. you know? Um, so anyway, I'm joining them as well. I'm going to be doing shows. Uh, so this, you know, I'm going to be supporting it. I'm so excited about the reaction, the response so far, and it excites me. You know, I, you know, I'm like the worst interview in the world. I'm the best in the worst. Because the best, because I'm easy to talk to. Worst, because I ask myself my own questions. <laughs> <laughs> See, but that's the thing. It's like when I get interviewed, yeah. I always kind of take control as if I'm the host. Like, wait, wait, I'm not the host today. I'm not the host today. <laughs> I know. You know? But, I'm, but like, what I really appreciate, you talk about constantly reinventing and constantly building and moving and doing all these different things. And... I wanted to ask you a little bit about the about your Christmas show because I think is it still going? You did two years and that was the I end. did two years. Right now uh, we did Chicago and Toronto, uh, and right now I'm in discussions to turn it into a um, a stop motion Christmas special. <laughs> you know, like claymation, like yeah, Rudolph yeah, yeah. and stuff. And it's about this like these middle aged guys who like never gave up on the '80s thing. So they're like still wearing a spandex, still got the hair and the makeup, but they're like bursting out of their spandex yeah, I mean, yeah, it yeah. is way past their prime uh, -huh. uh and and they were they 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 make a pact with the devil to find fame and fortune but find the magic of christmas instead yeah it's got an exorcism in it it's got a satanic ritual and a and a, and a conjuring uh and it's i believe it's a family film well i, I yeah i watched family it. Show. I, I saw i saw it in oh Chicago. you came yeah i, I, I came downstairs and watched it with you oh and there's the plot twist of the, the yes, spelling of yes, the name yes, and santa yes. and satan and everything I, that's right you but, came but, to but see but it. I, I thought it was really well done and i, I know that like, like first of all the fact you're able to do two years is amazing because most times one year Thanks, you get one and done so. well it, the, the second year you know just the economics of it just got to be mm -hmm. too much so now we're trying to find a, a home for it again i just want to compliment jericho here mm -hmm. this guy is the real deal <laughs> he's a real deal you know he's he, you know wrestling superstar it's undeniable you know yet something my one of my agents said to me when i wanted to get in the radio he said d you're not going to walk off uh, a, a Coliseum stage into a six-figure radio gig. You're going to have to get dirty. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to just start at the ground zero. And to your credit, you have just, you know, I mean, you, you had the glory of being a wrestling superstar and saying, all right, man, I'm ready to get in the van. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to play the bars. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to, to prove myself. And you have. And the fact that a guy and, and, and a supporter comes down, 
by himself, no fanfare. The, this cast was stunned. You have so many fans. <laughs> and they're like, isn't that Jericho? It's like, you know, Jericho's walking around. He just shows up by himself, watches the show, supports me. And thank you, brother. I you know, really appreciate it. I respect no, that hell out of you. I appreciate the kindred spirit, like I said, of always trying new things. You mentioned all the movies that you did and radio and you know, stop yeah. motion Christmas specials <laughs> and all these other things. When you could still stay with Twisted Sister and go out and headline, you know, it's kind of the easy way right and maybe the easy way is the best way but it comes back to that you know song one thing that jamie Josta, like what is d snyder about is it d snyder is about what am i doing now mm -hmm. what am i excited about what am i passionate about and you know and i see it in your eyes i saw it when we met in, in the parking lot today and you're talking to me. I mean, I remember the Fozzie record, the first one. It was like a tongue-in-cheek. You're in the movie. I'm in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sadly doing that whole thing with the World Trade That's Center. That's right. It's so tragic. I mean, it was you a funny did a bit. bit. We were talking about the World Trade Center, which... Well, I was talking about... It was, it was a mock on Vanilla Ice's talking, saying that Ice Ice Baby and... and, uh, and Under pressure, we're not the same riff. There goes... Dun, 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 dun. Ours goes... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yes. And I asked just... Can you do something like this yeah. for Stay Hungry? Yeah, so we Stay Hungry, and in the background was the World Trade Center. So I'm going, well, see, they're Stay Hungry. So their song's totally different. My song's da 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 and their song's da 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 <laughs> I said, it's like these two towers. They're completely different. The A tower and the B tower. <laughs> the tower. And literally a year later is when the attack happened. It's awful. Uh, I mean, it's just yeah. so weird. Life right. is weird like that. But, you know, you started this down this path. You know, I, you love metal, having fun with it. And then all of a sudden, I've just watched it mutate in the last 17, how many years now? Uh, 17 years since we started, and the last, I'd say, six years is when it just started really, that's when we really started saying, let's do this for real and make it happen. And it's just crazy, you and know? you did. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and props to you, man, respect. I mean, that's, you know, and, you know, and Justin and I, we talk on this podcast, we like to, you know, we talk about things like that related to the audience mm -hmm. and say this isn't you know you, okay we're talking about you know a wrestling superstar and a rock star with with a superstar band you know uh, but it can relate to you as well it relate to you it, it just relates just the idea of taking a chance mm -hmm. you know and not being too afraid and be staying safe all the time you know what i mean because i'll tell you the truth is as much as staying safe the people who stay safe they're not really that happy about it. They want it. Everybody wants to try something new, but most people are afraid. And you gotta say, you know, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? It doesn't work. I mean, right. it, it, you're no worse off than you started. When you have the confidence in your ability to know that I can make this work, you know? Well, you're not gonna stop until you do. Right, 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 right. I mean, God, dude, from that first record, 18 years. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, yeah. that's. Twisted sister stupidity level. <laughs> if you saw it, it, we are twisted. That was sister. amazing, by the way. I want to talk about Thanks. that. What a great documentary. Uh, you know, and we were together and what it shows is 10 years before we broke. And, and it was just, it was practically moronic. We just would not take no for an answer, you know, and it's, but you got to respect it. But what I couldn't believe about that was when they were talking about how you guys, before you even got signed, you played a, a show like in Long Island at like a fair or something with like 10,000 people. 23,000 showed up. Tell the story. Okay. I, I, the reason I know it so well is because my grandkids went to that fair and there was, and they were going around the rise. They went to this carnival, whatever it was. And there was a big poster of Twisted Sister said, did you know 
that in 19, in 19, uh, was, oh God, 19, 82, 81? Uh, no, it was 79. 79. 1979, Twisted Sister played show here and 23,000 people. The highways were shut down, the roadways. They were doing a weekly club band show in, at this amusement park. And they were getting five to 800 people, three to eight, you know, depending. And Twisted Sister played and 23,000 people showed up. And Kiss was playing to a half a house at the garden that night. Mm. So thank God Kiss was playing because we really would have had problems. <laughs> thank God they, they took off some of the... And we were banned for years from outdoor venues in the Northeast because they had security for a few hundred kids and 23,000 showed up. And we had no record. This is without an album. We're a local phenomenon. You know? How can you have been so huge? And this is one thing uh, that I saw in the movie. How could you have been so big and nobody signing you? It was like, it was like the Hudson River was a moat around from New York City. <laughs> like there was no bridge. You know, like oh, we can't get over the sea because from New York. we can't swim across. Like, I'm like we got a bridge. It's a tunnel. We used to offer a, a limo ride and dinner to any record executive who would come out to see us. One did. Her name was Reen Nally. She was the head of Atco Records. That was ACDC's label originally. She came Loudness. to Long Island, saw the band. Her mind's blown. She walks in this club. There's like 2,000 kids losing their shit. She goes back to New York, goes, I saw the greatest things in sliced bread. Twisted Sister. Everybody said, that bar man? And then she suddenly felt like stupid because everybody was like, they hadn't seen us. And then she never answered. It was the end of it. So the point is, we just couldn't get, they, was, they, they would, in a hot second, they would go down to CBGB's to see a band playing for 50 people and they wouldn't come out to Long Island. Yeah, it was like an hour, an hour and a half to see a band playing for 1,000 or 2,000. Or 23,000. Yeah, yeah, people. They would not come. Yeah. It was, it was so frustrating to us as a band. What finally broke you guys then? We went to England mm. and it was, we couldn't get, we went around the horn five times in the States, rejected five times by every label. Finally, we went to England, and you know, Hendrix did it, Joan Jett did it, Stray Cats did it. I mean, there's a long history. England's one of those little countries the size of a state in all reality, but they've got a lot of influence. So you can break in this one little area, and suddenly the world, you break in, you know, you're, you're rocking London, and people are like, whoa, did you hear about this band? You know, suddenly it's coming back. So we went to, this, to Europe, and we got a deal in the UK an indie deal with Secret Records, they folded, and then we got signed to Atlantic Records, um, excuse me, in the UK for the world, much to the chagrin of the president of the label in the States. He was literally pissed off <laughs> that somebody went around his back because he had rejected us five times. Oh, I see. Yeah, and it was, we were being signed. And we come back, we have a hit record in England, no tour support, we're in ugly duckly wrecking uh, rent-a-cars, seven bucks a day PDs, three guys in a room, we're like, we're just, and we just start selling records. And finally, they give up fighting mm -hmm. Atlantic Records because they couldn't fight the tide. We were just going town to town and winning. Mm -hmm. But it was just this, again, this, it's, 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 it's the human, it's the American spirit. No, it's stupidity. <laughs> I mean, it was just like refusing. How do you take no for, uh, not take no for an answer? Sure. But you know what the thing was? We were seeing the audiences, like rejected in the daytime and go play for 3,000 kids in a club on Long Island losing their shit mm -hmm. and we just look at each other and go well who knows these record buying public here or these suits half most of them are lawyers that just you know change their jobs right who knows better and that just kept us going mm -hmm. 
I wanted to say too because it was such an interesting thing um, about how 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 it took you guys so long to crack. You make it huge, and then I think you said eighteen months later, it's done. Yeah. How how did that happen so fast? You know, I mean, I, I wrote about this extensively. You did, and the in book is book. great. Shut Thank up, you. Shut up. Give, give me shut, the mic. Shut up and give me the mic. Yeah. Which, by the way. I wrote that myself, like you wrote yourself, and we we're both inspired by the same man, Nick Foley, Nick Foley <laughs> who gave us the courage. That's right. And Mick said, you know, D, you know, he knew you, he knew me, and he said, D, you know, I know you can write. You've been writing screenplays, whatever. He says, you should just go for it. Mm -hmm. and, and probably the same thing happened with you. The publisher didn't want it. Because, I mean, and I get it. You know, just because you can throw a football doesn't mean you can write. And just because you can write a story doesn't mean you can throw a football. Mm -hmm. they're, they're different talents. And so Mick said, just to ask if you write a few chapters. So I wrote a few chapters. They read it and they said, go for it. And they probably did the same thing with they you. Did so exactly Mick, a lot of love for me and yeah. Chris for you. You know, Absolutely. what a great guy. What an inspiration yes. that guy is. But in the book, I talked about it. And when you try going for it so hard and for so long and people tell no, 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 no. Suddenly when you break through and the world starts telling you yes and they're kissing your ass, you start buying into your own hype real fast. And I, I nearly got a divorce from my wife because she was the only one still telling me no. I don't want to hear no from anybody. Right. I heard no my whole f***ing life. And not, I'm not, I, don't tell me no. I've had the vision of this band. I wrote the songs. I created the videos. I know. And I just became, literally, I looked up the definition, megalomaniac is what I became. And then you got to be listening. You, you don't know it all. You can think you know it all. You gotta have. You just gotta, gotta be, keep your ears open. And I just shut down, and I wound up the same thing. I piloted success. I ran into the ground because I would not listen to anybody had to say. Hmm. And you know what? Thank God, because if I had kept going, I would have been divorced, and I would have been one of those miserable people sitting in a golden tower with nobody around because I had alienated my band, I had alienated my family, I my wife. I was losing my son. I was losing everything. I had everything, but I was pushing everybody away. And then who you're surrounded with? A bunch of, you know, and you've, same thing, yes people and, and women that you wonder why they're there. Mm -hmm. Is it my money? Is it my success? You're never sure about them anymore, you know? So Suzette, I've been with 42 years. I'm pretty sure it's me. Because <laughs> she didn't want me in the first place, so I, I, I want her heart. Which is unbelievable in rock and roll, as long as you've been in the game, to be married 42 years. But well, that's an amazing statement, something that, that all of us that have been in the biz for a while can relate to. But what was it like um, reading your book and talking about how like you guys did uh, the Come Out and Play record, then you do the big headlining tour, and then as you get out on this tour with the big stage show, yeah. nobody's showing up. Yeah. Yeah, it you know um, it's devastating. Mm. You know what I mean? It's you know especially when you're so your ego is now so big. We got big. Your front person, it's by it's by nature you got a big ego. But now with success and with everybody kissing your ass, you're just becoming so full of yourself, and you're so cocksure at every level. But you're the fact that I was missing the clues. I was missing. There were moments, and in the book, I, I kept going clink, 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 like the, the, the little, like, like as it was like a combination lock, and you could hear the combination of failure just sort of falling into place, one, one tumbler at a time, just mm -hmm. dropping, and not stopping and going, whoa, 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 that's, that's a bad sign. I should, mm -hmm. you know, we did the video for Come Out and Play, 
Not for it wasn't come out and play. It was for a leader of the pack or, or be cruel. Whatever it was. Leader of the pack. And nobody shows up. We wanted extras and we had to hire extras. Really? We put no, like an open ad out or something? Yeah, yeah. We had we had to hire extras. For I wanna rock. It was like literally the police came for that video. For we're not going to take it. We had an arena filled with people. The kids would, and now we go down, and I remember the director and the producers have bullhorns. They got barricades. They're ready, and there's nobody there. Wow. For the free, and they come back, and I go, how'd it go? Because I didn't even go down, because I was too famous. It would have been pandemonium. <laughs> and they were like, uh, nobody was there. Clink, you know, like these things, that's where you're supposed to like throw the brakes on and go, whoa, what happened? But the ego was just like screaming, oh, no, no, I got this. I know, I got under control, I got under control. And one day you realize you don't. Hmm. And then now working your way back up, and I, I want to talk more about, about this record, but I also want to talk about, I had Lizzie Borden on this show a couple months ago, always been a big Lizzie fan, and he was talking about the PMRC and how it ruined his band. He said, like, Twisted Sister and Alice Cooper got some publicity out of it, but for him, like, the Vice Squad is showing up, and he just got shut down. A lot of bands did. You made the fight against the PMRC, and it was so funny to hear those, those letters because it seems so archaic. But at the time, it was a big deal. The Parental Music Resource Center. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the rating of the records. And it was, you know, the censorship issue. I mean, it's taught in colleges now. Any course on censorship. And, you know, they study that event in history. And it was, um, you know, I didn't even realize the significance of the moment until, like, I got to Washington that morning. And I'm driving down the road and there's just... It was a maelstrom of media maelstrom from all over the world, just satellite vehicles everywhere and protest groups from both sides. I'm going, oh, damn. And walking in that room and it's packed and the cameras and going, I mean, I knew it was like important, but I didn't realize it would become this thing, you know, which is just crazy. But it, it was a, um, had a very negative effect on me. And I'm not saying it was, as I said in the book, I'm not saying it was solely to blame for the demise of Twisted Sister, but post that event, you know, we were already had weakening and the, we became the poster boys for what was wrong with rock and roll. Yet the fans knew we were like the least bad of the bunch. And they were just about finished with us anyway, a lot of us. So when mom said, well, you can go see Motley Crue, but you can't see that twisted sister. And that was happening. The kids were like, okay, mom, you know, like, <laughs> you're not shooting that marijuana, are you? No, mom. You know, like that's a stupid parents. But I, I remember, um, you know, after a show, arena show, meeting, meet and greet, and this this kid is just losing his shit, and he's got a docking shirt on, docking opened. And he was like, my favorite band, my favorite. I said, well, why do you got a docking shirt? He goes, oh, I, my parents can't know I was here. <laughs> I, my parents can't know I came to see Twisted Sister. But So we already had, we were weakening, but on a personal level, mail was checked, packages were inspected, phones were tapped. Really? Oh, yeah. Suddenly I became, you know, you, go, you don't go and embarrass senators, Rockefellers, and Kennedys, and, you know, and, the, and these people. You don't make fools out of them and, and you know, and, and Al Gore's and without some retribution. So, and I was like, what the, you know, and, and, and it, just, it just became something that I didn't care about. I'm not a politician. Mm -hmm. I, I went in there because I was asked to carry the flag for an important moment in time, but... I don't want to be a 
politician. People say, do you should run for office? No way. I've seen the job. I've seen these people. They're scumbags. Mm -hmm. These people are terrible. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't even allow, there should be a test. If you say I want to be a politician, they should say, no, you can't. (laughs) Because any reason, if you want to be a politician, you're there for the wrong reasons. Right. right, You get people who just say, all right, well, you know, I'm a business person. I need to do the job. But it's, you know, the point is it was, it was a, did not have a positive effect. Who asked you to do it? For the life of me, I don't know. Mm. You know, it's funny because I did a, a movie called Warning Parental Advisory, what VH1 did, where they reenacted. And they asked me to be in it, which was the equivalent of an actual Tyrannosaurus on the set of Jurassic Park. <laughs> I mean, I walked in onto the set, and I'm literally wearing the clothes I wore to there. I'm jean, wearing the jean, jean jacket, jacket, the yeah. exact outfit, the boots, the still fits. The, I'm just, and I walk in, and everybody's like, oh, look at him. He was there during the Metalozoic era, you know, so, but it was a weird, and then everybody's kind of thing going, is that how Zappa did it? Is that how, is that? everybody's like coming to me for like approval. So it was, a, it was very weird to do that movie, but it was basically you, Frank Zappa, and like John Denver, John Denver. Right. God bless him. Yeah. And because he, he stood up, he stood tall, but at the same time, uh, they, they imagined how it came together. But I just, you know, my manager said, uh, they want to know if you want to testify. And I was like, Hell yeah! Mm-hmm. So I don't I've never asked who. Mm-hmm. It just went and did it. Because you went in there, like you said. I think you even had fangs at the time. Oh yeah, sharp teeth. Like a rocker, like yeah, just yeah. scumbag rocker guy. I, was, I put mascara on because that's what we did. Yeah. And they said, "Are you gonna dress up?" I said, "This is my business suit. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what I wear. I'm not gonna I'm not dressed up for these people." Zappa came in in Armani. He looked really good. But I said F- that, you know. So I went in. I, I stood tall, but. I look. I watch that footage. And I go, "Holy sh- dude! You had balls, and you can see them. Your pants are so tight. <laughs> you got the balls. You can literally see <laughs> yeah. that shaft, the head, everything." <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been to see the Bon Scott statue in Perth? No. He's got the package. Oh, he actually yeah. put the Bon Scott package on it. It's like, ah, yes. that's great. That's great. It, it reminds me because years later, when you guys first did the Twisted Sister reunion, you guys came out with the makeup on, yeah. and listen, but that, that's kind of the same thing. And now it's like 20 years older. You still look great, but everyone puts the makeup on. It's not quite the same vibe as what it was. Yeah. Well, one thing about the makeup, though, it's kind of covers up a lot, <laughs> a lot of sins. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, uh, uh, so I used to say, uh, we put the makeup back on and look, we look like aging drag queens. I said, but that's the bad news. The good news is we always look like aging drag queens. <laughs> so it really looks pretty much the same. We, we were never, the, the pretty boys are dying to death out there. I tell you, the, us ugly guys, we're, you know, Lemmy looks pretty good. He looks pretty good for his age. Alice, he looks really good for his age. Everybody's like, ooh, I'm not going to mention those other names, but God, not aging so well. Just taking it on the chin. What, was it strange for you to do that last show with Twisted Sister? Knowing it was the last one, assuming that it was the last. It one. was a, oh, it was the last one because I, you know, I, I, I really made a stink about this whole retiring and then coming back thing, you know, and and you know, people, I've people have misinterpreted what I said. I, I, to reiterate, you don't have to leave, stay forever. There, your people, there are people who love you and never want to see you go. I said, but don't announce you're leaving. Don't sell us the high price ticket. Don't sell us the no more tour shirt and then change your mind three years later. Or even worse, Scorpions. Mm-hmm. Three year farewell tour and there's so many more places to play. That's bullshit. I love the Scorpions. Stay. Yeah. Stay forever. Don't do a three year farewell. Yeah. It's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Okay, but Twisted, you know, I, I mean, I love the guys and 
I was doing things in that band physically that I just knew I couldn't keep doing. And now we talked about when I first saw you today, I said, are you still wrestling? Because, you know, Foley shows up every now and then and does his thing. But we, you know, when you're as physical and you, you know, it's, it's to compare my performing, and I'm not comparing what I did today. I am slowed down so much. Thank you. Anybody out there who says, well, you're still, you're still kicking nasty. Believe me, I know I'm not thrashing. I used to be throwing my body on the floor, deliberately crawling around. I was just shocking and whipping my body around, and I knew I couldn't keep going. Had a shoulder surgery, throat surgery, knee surgery, and I said, my neck was starting to go. I could barely turn. I can't do a turn my head fully anymore. I said, I got to stop some of this stuff. But as soon as I got on stage with Twisted, I just couldn't not with those guys and those songs. I just couldn't not do it. So I had to draw a line. So I, I mean, I was glad it ended because I mentally needed that. And people say, well, why didn't you just slow down with Twisted? I couldn't. My ego with Twisted. And we went out on a high note. People who saw those final shows, people raved about those final Headlining shows. Headlining festivals. Yeah. And playing for tens of thousands of people. And it was a great moment. We got, you know, we're going to have some, uh, you know, we've, we filmed a lot of the shows, so there's a lot of stuff's coming out. We're like going to be the Tupac Shakur of, of metal bands. We have posthumously so much products coming out. JJ's not letting it, it's like we never died. But the fact is, you know, it was, it was sad. It was wonderful. You know, it was 40 years on and off. Uh, we were ending on a high note, higher than, you know, the first time when we fell apart in 87, it was like people didn't even know we broke up. Mm. It was such a miserable non-ending for such a raucous band. Right. And here we were ending with, with, some, with some flair. The documentary came out, which I was so happy about uh, because it showed people that, whoa, there was more to this band than I knew. Mm -hmm. I've had so many people come up and say to me, it changed, watching that video changed everything for me about your band. Says, yeah, you know, I saw the videos and you, you, know, you were around for a while and you had some hits, but I didn't know that... You know, you guys were the forerunners of that whole thing. And you guys were around and fighting the fight for so long. And it's just, it when you see that video, you can't help but be changed. Mm -hmm. And it's inspiring, too. People say, hey, I'm not a fan, but it's almost a Rocky-esque story sure. in that, you know, these guys just wouldn't take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. And nobody should, I don't think. It's cool, too. I'm sure, I, this is kind of an interesting question I was thinking about. Like, was it hard to, like, you always were the, the main songwriter, the songwriter. The songwriter. The only songwriter. You're, you're the, 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 basically the focal point. Did you ever feel a sense of responsibility, like, I got to go out with these other, my guys? Like, if you're not going out, not a lot of revenue coming in for them. I'm, a, I'm not saying yes or no, maybe. No, I, I understand exactly you what you're saying. I was talking to Cy, the band The Fix lead singer. Oh, Cy Kernan. Yeah. And we <laughs> ran into each other at a corporate show. We were both doing a corporate show. And, you know, one of these people don't know what corporate shows are. You get paid a lot of money and they bring in usually the front people of a band and you do a few songs with a house band. So Cy was there. And I think Toe Loke was there. and It was like, like a Walmart Christmas party yeah, or Lou something. Lou Graham yeah. was there. Yeah. It was crazy. It was there. So you get to sort of be with people you would never normally uh, talk with. And Cy and I were talking about this pressure to be with the original band. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's like I'm paying five mortgages. He said, I feel like if yeah. I don't play with the guys, they can't pay their bills. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I said, and I so, totally got that. And it's, you know, and it's, it's a lot of responsibility. But the same, at some point, you, got, you can only be, you gotta be responsible to yourself. And, 
your own well-being. So I tried to stay around as long as possible and, and a lot longer. We were together reunited longer than we were together the first time. I'm going, all right, it's been 13 years. We're only together 10, the, 11 the first time. I said, I think this is enough. But also going out on top, like you said, a great big you know final tour. Everyone gets a couple bucks in the pocket and then you can move forward with the Well, we were going to stop earlier. Um, when AJ died, really took the wind out of our sails. It was always the five of us. That's your bro for 35 years. Yeah. yeah. And it was always the five of us on every album, except for the one uh, last one with Twisted, mm. which was supposed to be my solo album. Joe Franco played drums. Every date, every tour, it was always the five of us. And then AJ passed, the youngest of, the, of us, and you know, the, as, as JJ said, the nice one. Um, <laughs> and, it was, and it was true. AJ was the nicest guy. He was a nice and guy. And we were all scumbags. He was like the sweetheart. The only one, like when the band broke up, he was friends with everybody. Like everybody was friends with AJ. And, and really, he was. Even though we had 9-11 and things that pushed us together, AJ kept this communication going gotcha. with everybody. So he deserves props for that. But when he passed, we were like, so what are we going to do? We're just going to slowly drop off. Keep going until this yeah, one original and then, member. And, and, you know, are we going to do this or are we going to just call it? And we, said, and we all said, let's call it. And then the reality that AJ's... Um, personal effects and personal affairs were not in order. Mm -hmm. And AJ was the most prolific uh, with the most children, the most ex-wives. He had three and uh, one, two, three, at least four or five kids. And he hadn't really done any estate planning. Mm -hmm. He hadn't taken, there was no will. There was nothing. So immediately, uh, if you don't have a will and people let this be a lesson to you, uh, it goes into, um, it, goes, it goes, there's a word for it, but perpetuity, per they, like they, they seize everything all the money and it's frozen there's no access to it so his his wives and children had no money because until they sorted it out I, I just, people out there screaming at the at the radio going it's called a you know, yeah, know. whatever it is but you you know and but that's what happens so we literally went into the club show locally where we just took the door and gave it because they gave it to his, his kids because they had no money to pay the, the rent. Mm -hmm. So, and then it was sort of like, well, you know, we need to do something, you know, so let's do some farewell shows and let's, you know, and, and big shows, big paydays and siphon some money gotcha. into the estate and let's not leave them high and dry. Right. And everybody got a payday out of it as well. But that was really the, the motivation was to take care of AJ's families, families. How was it for you now putting together the band that played today? It's a great band. It was it was like you're starting once again with a whole new clean slate. Where did yeah. you find the guys that you're playing with? Jamie Jasta has got a team for producing. <laughs> he's producing a lot team. like us, man. He's he's got a finger in a lot of. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Jasta is yeah, Jasta. He does. And when I when we got together, he had this little production crew, and it's him and the Belmore brothers, Charlie and Nikki. Nikki plays drums, engineers and co-producers charlie plays all the guitars all the basses and they write so they were contributing writers and so we had a, we had a couple of guests you know on guitar and bass right but most of the stuff is done by by them and that's his team somebody said to me uh when i was doing an interview said what's your uh, suggestion to other heritage artists looking to you know to make a contemporary record i said hire jasta because <laughs> uh, he's got in jasta we trust and um so 
these guys were involved on every song, Nikki, the Belmore Brothers. And uh, I said, will you guys be my band? So they were just jumped at the chance. They play with Toxic Holocaust. They're Josta's backup band when he does his Josta shows. Oh, so was that the bald guitar player? Yeah, yeah, The yeah. drummer, gotcha. Yeah. So they're brothers. So we got them, and then they found a couple other people uh, whose last names I don't know. <laughs> Russell Russell was, was the bass tech for Twisted Sister for about 10 years. He plays like uh, Mark the Animal, oh, yeah. too. Yeah. He was Mendoza's bass tech. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a great bass player. And I said, dude, you want to play? And he was like, yeah, hell yeah. Mm. They think I want to play a bass tech? So, um, so anyway, so uh, I never knew his last name, though. I still don't. <laughs> just Russell. It's just like Cher. Yeah, yeah Russell, it's just Russell. <laughs> so anyway, so it was just sort of fell into place. So when you're, when you uh, as we wind down here, you, you get together with the guys. Um, is there a certain paces that you put them through? Do you trust them? Do you, do you James Brown them and like, hey, that's a bad note. This needs to be better. Or are you just pretty much D that shows up and sings? Um, it's a little bit of both. Um, I give, you know, I definitely had seen the Belmore Brothers in action. And I saw the kind of you know, meticulousness. And, and they're these death metal guys. They don't come from a blues place. They come from that, I don't know, Bay Area. I don't yeah, know what it is. This wristy, tightish yeah, yeah. shit. Everything's a right hand picking. You know? So, I mean, I saw their precision in the studio. So I had faith that, and the, and the two of them are mental cases. Mm -hmm. they, they're so strange. And I, I'm already in love with these guys, but they're like putties. You know, Elaine's boyfriend on Seinfeld, Putty? Hey, putty, yeah. Remember when she's flying on the plane with him and he just stares at the chair? He never says anything. He doesn't flinch. He doesn't. That's them. I'm laughing in between, I think they may be robots because they just sit there in the dressing room. You know, usually there's all this joking and, and goofing around, band, vibe, not. Just dead silent, just warming up. Right. And then they go out. So I had a lot of faith in what they do. I knew they'd bring together a team. They rehearsed them. And when I came in, then, you know, it was close. But then I just come in and say, no, I need this, no, I need that, refine yeah. this, tighten that. But I got to give credit to the Belmore brothers because uh, they are just. Me wonderful mental cases <laughs> just like you yes and so the the future for the d snyder project this this record would you like to get to play more festivals are you going to go on some runs around well, the you know th this is the thing uh, and and you know chris can appreciate this the normal course of action is when you're doing an album you get the budget you plan the studio when you're going to record it when it's going to be released when the video is going to be shot and it's a whole like a year long or more game plan, the, when the tour is going to start, promotional, what you're going to do. We had no budget. We had no record deal. We knew nothing. This was a Field of Dreams records. Right. You know, a, Jamie was confident that it was going to work. But so when we, we didn't do any advanced planning, so when we finally got a record deal and everybody wanted it, actually, all the metal labels were, were, were bidding on it. It was too late to do a tour, too late to plan anything. So like I said, these handful of shows I'm doing was just odd D. Snyder shows mm -hmm. that I was just doing that have changed to D. Snyder's for the love of metal shows. So yes, we got, we're planning some promotional shows in L.A., New York, Chicago, just some underplays, you know, just to get, you know, get the word out. Videos are coming out. And I've already taught in talks because now the word is D's sort of returned to metal. Um, we're getting, to, I have a major tour being offered to me for 2020. I'm going 2020. 
2020. I may be dead. 2020. 2020. Yes. But but that's how. But that's how far in advance people plan this mm -hmm. shit. It's an arena tour, and they're like, "Well, we're already planning the shows, and if you're going to be involved, we'd love to have you, but we need a commitment mm -hmm. for 2020." <laughs> so the point is, it's like I'm trying. I'm playing catch up here, mm -hmm. but we're committed to the record. The response is really good. Napalm's already picked up the option on the second record. They're like, "We want it mm -hmm. for the love of metal, too." You know, we're not doing it yet, but people are are sold on the idea of D. Snyder doing a more contemporary sounding record. You know, with his... It's such a great idea. Well, it works. It well, fits. Well, thanks. You know, it fits. Uh, last question. What's your favorite song uh, on the new record for The Love of Metal? You know, it's so tough. I mean, and you know, I honestly have a, an amazing love for a lot of the songs. For The Love of Metal, the title track started as a, a joke in the studio. And it was like, hey, we should write a song called For Love of Metal. How many classic metal song, song titles can we put in the song, oh, okay. so we were all sitting around and we're shouting them out. So, the, so we, uh, the, uh, I once was under the blade. I was once the last in line. I was a victim of changes. You can't stop rock and roll. It is my life. This is my painkiller. My my obsession runs deep. For the love of all things loud, united worldwide fills me with pride. All right, how many titles did I just say in that first verse? We do it for the love. Anyway, and it's what started as a kind of a goof, all of a sudden turned into this incredible metal song. It's got this breakdown at the end, complete with the with the the bell on the on the rise table, ding, <laughs> and 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 it went from being like I said, just like how many song titles to like, whoa, this is heavy. So for the love of metal, kind of is. We we ran out of time. It was, you it's actually, last song, yeah, it's it our last song. We had to you, cut it today. You, sometimes you talk on stage. I don't know if you realize. Yes, that I, I I can get going. It goes so well. Yes. What's your favorite Twisted Sister song that you wrote that wasn't a hit, like more of an album track? Is the one that you always stand up? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's a tough. That's I, you know, the thing is, I wrote every single song, right. and I wouldn't give a song to the band that I could didn't feel proud of. But there's songs that burn in hell. Okay, that song has become a hit. Uh, you know, especially in Europe, Dimu Borgir covered it, and now you know we go. I go out on stage there and go, "This is this is by Dimu Borgir," and we'll go out to Burn in Hell because most of the young kids think it is. They're like, "Oh, they're doing Dimu," you know. Yeah. So we Dimu D E E. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Demu. So there's that one. I am on me, or if you can't stop rock and roll, which was a hit in England was really my declaration of independence more than any other song where I just said, you know, it, and of course it was my dad and my teachers and my bosses and my ex-girlfriends and I just stood up and said, fuck you all, mm -hmm. <laughs> fuck you all. You, you know, this is who I am and I'm not changing for anybody. I always loved a, I know what you want, you want what we got. You want what that's we just, got. That's a great cook. <laughs> it's a fun, uh, memorable Well, thank you for appreciating you know? that. Absolutely. Yeah. D, uh, great talking to you again. We'll get together in 2020 for your unannounced <laughs> arena tour, if you're still around. <laughs> oh, we get together sooner than that, because I'm getting, I was just approached to do a podcast. Oh, uh, I, well, so, now you did one before. Yeah, I did, yeah. and I just sort of, I wasn't committed. Yeah, yeah. And um, one of the, uh, uh, Actually, it's the one the, the company that works justice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said we want to do. Uh, he says we want to call it. I want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I, they said, but we're not married to that. I said, no, I kind of no, like that. That's, that's, the, one. that's well, the one. Call me anytime. I owe you about four interviews now at this point. Yeah, all right, brother. Thanks. You're dude. definitely going to be on. <laughs> Please.
Thanks to Dee Snyder for walking off stage literally at the Rock USA Festival in Wisconsin a few weeks ago and straight on to talk is Jericho. Always love talking to him. He's a great guest. Check out his new record for the love of metal. It's out now. You can get it wherever you buy music like FYE, Newberry Comics, iTunes, Amazon, or just go to dsnyder.com. Listen, Dee's going to be signing copies of For the Love of Metal at Looney Tunes, great record store on Long Island, Tuesday, August 28th from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern. Go get the album and say hi to Dee in person. He is a great guy. Uh, or go see him at the Dead Man's Curve Convention, August 31st at the Sheraton Mawa Hotel in Mawa, New Jersey. And then he's going to be on the road with his new band. They're playing the Rose Music Center stage in Huber Heights, Ohio, August 25th. And more dates scheduled in September. So keep checking dsnyder.com for ticket information and keep going to chrisjerichocruise.com for all the information on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. You need to be there. Book your cabin now at chrisjerichocruise.com. We set sail October 27th. Make history with us because remember, once you book your cabin, all the activities on the ship are free. Everything is included in the price of your cabin. All the live podcasts, concerts, comedy shows, meet and greets, autograph signings, and wrestling matches includes your food as well. Only things you pay for on board the ship are alcohol and gambling. And here's what we know for sure. Huge main event, the Alpha Club, the Bucks of Jericho, or is it Y2 Jackson versus Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, and Marty Skrull? It's the rematch. People are waiting to see Jericho Omega. It's a one-time only, only on the cruise, Alpha Club versus Bullet Club. Also, very special, Impact versus Ring of Honor matches, Sammy Callahan versus Marty Skrull, LAX versus the Young Bucks. More matches to be announced. Live Talk is Jericho with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Live Talk is Jericho with Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler. Live Talk is Jericho with the entire Bullet Club. Kenny, Cody, Young Bucks, Adam Page, Marty Skrull. Also, Live Talk is Jericho with Conan and Rey Mysterio talking about the life and times of Eddie Guerrero. Don't forget Mick Foley doing his 20 Years of Hell stand-up show. I'll be doing one of my own Words of Jericho live shows. We got Keeping It 100 versus Killing the Town live debate. And don't forget with the first round of the Ring of Honor, Sea of Honor tournament, which has been announced. Bracket A, Lethal versus Whitmer, Daniels versus Delirious, Skrull versus Titus, Young versus Flip Gordon. Bracket B, Mark Briscoe versus Ferrara, Page versus Kazarian, Cheeseburger versus Beer City Bruiser, Jay Briscoe versus Kenny King. Beyond the Darkness will be there to scare the pants off you. Uh, Colt Cabana, Marty DeRosa doing the on professional wrestling show, live comedy from Brad Williams, Ron uh, Funches, Craig Gass, Impractical Jokers, and don't forget the music, Fozzie we playing, Corey Taylor of Slipknot and Stone Sour, Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons, King, The Stir, The Dave Spivak Project, Shoot to Thrill, the world's best female ACDC cover band, Blizzard of Ozzy will be there, The Cherry Bombs, The Darlings of Rock and Roll, uh, don't forget Mandy Leon, Kelly Klein will be there as well, uh, uh, Brandy Rhodes will be there, uh, Cruise Director SoCal Val, special guest Noel Full, helping out with hosting as well so much going on come make history with us now still cabins available we are selling more every day this is going to sell out and that's not uh that's not some kind of a exaggeration we are on the way to go uh book your cabin now chrisjerichocruise.com come make history come join the fun and coming on the friday to talk about the cruise in the first round of the tournament he's facing cheeseburger it's the beer city bruiser is going to be here on friday so we will see you then in the meantime and in between time stay hard stay hungry Peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah!